Welcome to this week's episode of Are You Happy with Susan and Sonia. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Are You Happy? Today is a great day. Honestly, I decided to start my morning early, which is very unusual for me. So this is an early morning podcast. My weekend was very unexciting. I didn't do anything this weekend. I just watched TV. Yeah, that was about it. How was your weekend, Sue? I went on a splurge shopping spree at Indigo and I tried to, so it was super windy in Toronto yesterday. I know. And it was like kind of spooky, like haunted house vibes. Like, I don't know. I'm still in the Halloween vibe. So I tried to take a drive this apparently haunted street north of Toronto, Kirby Road. Have you heard of Kirby Road? Oh my God, it's like the most dangerous road ever. So I went there to try and be like, get some spirits going, some like, I don't know what I wanted to see, but it was so windy and like eerie. I didn't see anything. I was like, okay, I'm turning around. This was the highlight of my weekend. So that's when you know. Wow. Wait, the power was, did your power go out? It was insane. Yeah, it went out like three times. Oh, that's awful. That's sad. It was so annoying and it was so windy, but we made it out. Toronto weather crazy Toronto so this episode is we actually have a new friend on with us today and we're so excited to get to know her the ins and outs she's also a teacher and she is also from Toronto and her name is Tiffany welcome hi new friends Tiffany hi thanks for having me we're so happy to have you on. Thanks for the introduction. No problem. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us and the listeners. Well, my name is Tiffany. I am from Toronto originally, raised in the Lakeshore area. And, you know, I'm just a human in this life trying to maintain stability and grounding and be happy every day. You know, yes, I am a teacher, but most importantly, I am a student who is practicing every day to show up for what life is all about. And what that is all about is the journey itself. Here I am. And, you know, I feel that I have a responsibility to share knowledge with humans who are ready for it, who open themselves up to it. And, you know, I try to engage in conversations around this topic of happiness and such other things related to it. So, you know, I'm super excited to be here with you guys and have an opportunity to have an experience and a connection. And we've never met and never spoken. So I think that's just pretty awesome. I think so, too. It's like a blank slate. We can start from nothing and build. And I love that. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm super excited. Okay. So you were telling me that you invented a class, right? And you teach it at George Brown. So can you tell Susan sure. about that? So for the last five years, I would say that my work has been a- about this program around this framework actually is what I call it. It's a framework and it surrounds strengthening the creative mind. It came about to me around five years ago when I stepped away from a creative career, I would say that heavily involved the community so you know I was in collaboration a lot with different artists and and different people and you know I just learned so much in in a couple of years how important process is and you know I was seeing this ongoing theme of humans having such a hard time with their process of creating you know I had to step away from it because I didn't understand it and I was taking it on and in the one year that I decided to take off which actually ended up being a lot more than one year I did a lot of investigation on the creative mind and how I could strengthen it because I had disconnected from mine so much because of my work 
And I wanted it back so badly that I had to shut down and be quiet. You know, I kind of went extreme. Like I thought I was going to go just a couple of months without being in touch of any kind of society and all of that. And I went four years like without a phone because I just got so deep into the investigation of myself and my creative mind. And in that process, you know, I did my teacher training in yoga. I did classes on meditation and anatomy, understanding the science and, and the spirit of things, creation. And I developed a framework for my Myself. And it was foundational, you know, like, what is the foundation of myself in order to rebuild my pillars in order for me to feel stronger and to have a stronger creative expression and a stronger point of view and a stronger mind. And in that time, you know, I wasn't thinking of doing this for anyone except myself. Like I really was disconnected from my creator self and I just wanted to get back to her. And, you know, I created this framework and I just started living my life again, according to this framework without saying anything. And people started to notice because, you know, they knew me in one way. And then again, I showed up in a different way and people were very interested and they were just like, what have you been doing? What are you on? And I was just like, you know, I've been doing a lot of personal work and I've been applying, you know, a framework to myself. And people were like, I need this framework. You know, what is this framework? I want to feel like how you feel and I want to look how you look. I guess it was just really infectious. The, the energy of it. So I ended up getting a studio in the Ed Mervish village, actually, just before it had all shut down for a year. And I started facilitating one-on-one, -on -one. I was calling them artist exploration. And what I meant by that was tell me about yourself and like, what are you doing? And what's your life like? And then I took this framework that I created for myself and I took pieces of that and helped people apply a program for themselves that was tailored to the individual based off of the foundation of my own frame. So that happened. And I did that for like a good year, just a little bit of context before that I had a social enterprise for Toronto artists to help empower and give platform three years before that. And then a creative space on Ossington with a friend years before that. And then in a studio, private art workshops with another friend for a year. So, you know, it was all kind of accumulating to now this framework that I was creating. You know, I started helping those artists that I was working with in collaboration in an artful and visual way, now in an internal and structural way. Fast forward to George Brown. Somebody there heard that I was facilitating these one-on-one -on -one soundboarding sessions with artists in my little tiny attic studio in Edmunds Village. RIP. They invited me to come talk at a lunch and learn. And essentially lunch and learn is like they buy all the students lunch and they get them to come sit in and hear somebody from the quote unquote industry, the creative industry. So I came in and it happened to be the fashion students, um, the fashion design students. So they're super creative and young and vibrant. And, you know, when I walked in, they had this like really amazing energy because it was just beginning. And then as soon as like all the authority and the teachers and everyone came in, it just like kind of died down. I got up there and I just started talking about my journey and, you know, where I came from, what my background was. I was able to get their attention really fast, like almost instant. And it's because I set the tone of the room and I had just the first thing I remember saying was like, hey, I just want to let you know that before I walked in the door here, I left everything behind, you know, and, I, and I'm in here giving you guys my full attention because I like really respect your time and space and I'm not here to like feed you bullshit. You know, I'm just here to talk about me and hopefully you can relate, you know, or find something in it that you can take for you. So I just told them what I've been up to. Two people cried. This one guy got up and he was just like, I want to thank you on behalf of everyone for just keeping it real. You know, not coming up here with all your accolades and mm -hmm. trying to be all cool and tell us like what you're doing in the industry. He's like, you know, we all come here for the free food. But like, you know, out of everybody that George Brown has brought to us, like this is like actually something that I'm going to take with me. Mm -hmm. So the director of student body, three professors, 
there was a bunch of other staff. They were all sitting in and, and they clearly saw how it touched the students. So they invited me back two more times to do the exact same thing, but just to talk to a different group or a different mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. And instantly when they asked me back the second time, I was like, yeah, no problem. Like I was, ex- I was excited because of the reaction I got and, you know, yeah. and when I went back the second time and I started to do the exact same thing, maybe 15 minutes in, I got so sick of hearing myself. I was just talking and I was, this is so lame. Like, I don't want to be talking and telling people about myself. It was very hard for me to continue that way, but I still did. I got through it. It was still effective. People had the same response, but in, in my mind, like after it was said and done and I'm just on my own walking home, I'm like, I don't want to be doing that. You know, I don't want to be this motivational speaker. I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to be a, a life coach. Like, I don't want to be these things, you know, because these are things that people were starting to call me and ask me if this is what I was, right? Mm-hmm. And so finally on the third time, time when I came and I spoke, I, I stayed after and I spoke to one of the professors and I, and I was like, listen, I don't want to do this anymore because they asked me to come back again. And she's like, why? It's so impactful. And I was like, listen, if you guys are so serious, why don't you just get me to teach my program? A five-week program. They can okay. sign up and take the course. And that's that. I'm like, I don't want to keep talking about myself. Let's just get to the work. Right. Who cares? Yeah. You know? Totally. Because if you this did a not course, like, novelty, mm-hmm. you know? the course kind of lets them drive into the subjects more instead of just having you introduce Help yourself to me. each cohort and then you're like okay well we didn't even get to anything that they could so tiffany That's you're amazing. like the creative dalai lama <laughs> Literally. So Just interesting like for me to receive people's like descriptions. Yeah, that was great. Thanks. You I, are. I you really great. are. Hold on. I just want to bounce back. The phone of it all. The phone. Four phone. years without a phone. How did that work? Did you like ever talk to anyone? Because, you know, sometimes you just need to call someone for a ride, for like lunch, for just like chills at night. I don't know. Did you use a payphone? Were there still payphones? There were. Okay. So this is how, I don't know how like deep you guys want me to get with this. Like, I'm so okay. curious. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay, so I'll give you like the tiniest bit of context and then I'll jump right into it. December 2014, I did my last event showcase like that involved 18 other artists in collaboration. And as I was hanging up photos, this was like me coming to the point where I'm like, I'm done. Like I need to tap out and have a break. So I'm like curating and I'm actually like hanging the exhibit at midnight by myself in the gallery. And I'm just like, what am I doing? I I just really don't understand anymore what I'm doing. Like I just was at that point in my life. I'm like, I'm doing all these things for all these artists, which I love and oh my God, have I ever valued from it so immensely but it was really time for me to get back to myself is what I'm saying Mm -hmm. and I wasn't pushing myself enough and in that moment of hanging other humans passion and heart and love and art I was like I want this to be mine I had artist envy you know like I really Mm -hmm. did and I couldn't distinguish which were my ideas anymore and which I've accumulated along the way or what my process I had no idea so I was like you know what I'm tapping out I stopped hanging the exhibit I got my laptop I opened it up I booked a ticket to go visit my friends in India and I was like cool so January 9th, so this is like December. So at the top of the year, right after New Year's, I left. And as I left, something happened with my phone. That's like a whole nother podcast. You know, I lost my phone basically. And I was like, you know what? I don't need another phone. I'm just going to go without a phone. Forget mm. it. Like, I'm just going to do that. I had, you know, brought my little tiny point and shoot Canon camera that I hadn't carried along with me for like years. And I was like, I'm just going to try something but, new and just separate myself. So, you know, I was there for a month. And when I got back, I was like, you know what? I love not having a phone, you know, and I'm somebody who, 
whose whole life was connected to a phone. This is when like social media just started happening when I started my business in 2011. We just got Instagram. Like I was living by the phone. Like it was my third hand. And, um, you know, I was just felt so free. So I was like, forget it. So I kept pushing myself like, okay, I'm going to, you know what? I'm not going to get a phone till my birthday. And, and then finally, like three months in, I'm like, I'm going to do one year of no phone. And then it ended up being four. And in the beginning, when I was starting to tell people that I didn't have a phone, people would say, so how do I get a hold of you? Yeah. And I was like, no, you don't. And they're just like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, that's the point. Like I'm going into isolation. Like I'm removing myself from society. Like I need to quiet my mind so I can have my thoughts again. So you actually can't, like I'm actually eliminating myself from society. So like when you ask me, how can I get a hold of you? The answer is you cannot. Did you have like Facebook or like, do you no. have email? Everything. I took everything down. I had email, but I didn't even go on the computer till day 158. And then I started oh watching documentaries. Did you so, have I, you know, any withdrawal? Because sometimes I can turn my phone off, like my phone dies and I just forget about it. I'm like, you know, what? I won't charge it today. Let's just see how long I can go. But I you actually know, find that my entire attention goes towards my phone. And I'm wondering who called? How many people called? Did I get any notifications? Like what is going on? But that is like, that consumes me. I can't yeah. just like let it be dead. Well, I had a jump start in India. So like the most mm -hmm. meditative place in the whole entire world, you know, that jump started my whole journey of like detachment, you know, and, and right. softening the ego and mm -hmm. facing the mirror and doing the shadow work and what meditation is, you know, like I didn't apply any of those things in my life pre 2015. I did not. I was completely like a workaholic. I own my own business. I'm a mother to a full grown woman. Wow. Like wow. I was, I That's have me. been on one, you know, so I became really protective of that space that I was able to cultivate for myself and I didn't want anyone to fuck with it and I was just wow. like no so I actually also too took it upon myself to actively educate myself I did my teacher training in yoga that year I dived into the study of meditation and anatomy uh, the connection between mind and body and the things that we have with us all the time you know I stayed active like I I was such a reader when I was a young girl and I like who has time for to read so like I made sure to read when I did start to need more simulation in my life, I started to watch every documentary that was a profile documentary that was about mm -hmm. someone or an artist or a person, you know, like a, a, a biography story or something. So, yeah. you know, those things happened. And in year three, I actually moved to Manila. And it's when I went to Manila that I was forced to get a phone because I was by myself. And, and you know, I, I had to be safe. So I acquired a phone while I was there. But when I came back to Toronto, like almost seven and a half, eight months later, I refused to have one again. But my sister then just put one in my face and said, here, this is for you like you only have talk and text it's just for emergency so I had a talk and text phone for one year and wow. then after one year which was the fourth year I went back and I went full on and I had data and I have and now so that was like 2000 and so really I've only had a phone for two years now how does it feel I obviously can get caught up still too however that discipline that I built for myself over those years really it, has right? given me the ability to have separation and not have any anxiety of like That's not amazing. knowing what I'm missing out on you know and like, for example, even this weekend, like I didn't really touch my phone at all on purpose, you know, and I and I yeah. do that, too. And I remember last year when things were super busy for me, I, I made sure that I had no phone Fridays. So like I'd have my phone with me, but it'd always be in my bag and it'd be on silence or do not disturb. And I wouldn't keep it on me, and I would just check it in accordance to like the affairs I had that day or whatever. But also on that day to make it even more purposeful.
purposeful. I scheduled my sculpting and pottery class to be on Friday, which like I can't hold a phone while you're in class. So it just became like something that I acquired in my week to have to make sure that one day out of the whole week, the phone is not in my hand. Amazing. Good for you. Yeah. I find that everyone goes to India to find themselves. I have amazing beautiful a... friends who are there and they were like encouraging me to come for years because they've been living there for years. And finally, I was just I'm coming. And another friend of mine was going and I was just like, let's go. It's like the yeah. Philippines so much. So it really was so special. The second I got off the plane, I was like, it smells like my homeland too, you know, so I felt so close and it was everything I needed without really knowing. I just thought I was going to go see my friends, but you know, I, I had an ex epiphany. a life changing experience in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. An epiphany. Wow. Yeah, that an, is an, an epiphany. An epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> epiphany. Yes. I love that. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Tiffany, that is amazing. What a remarkable yeah. story. I am honestly blown away, like blown away. Like I've had time, me. I've had time re only recently to think of that, you know, because I've been so in that in journey that, that, you know, mm -hmm. you, you don't stop for a second to have reflections. So it's very fresh in my mind that that retrospect. So, you know, I'm so grateful for it too. And maybe if this was like, even just a year ago, I would have dismissed it and be like, yeah, it's okay. But no, it was incredible. And it did change my life for sure. That yeah, I'm is grateful for it. Yeah. Phenomenal. Wow. That's amazing. Honestly, Tiffany. Tiffany, are you happy? Right now I am. <laughs> yeah. But in general, like after everything you've done, after everything you've experienced, where you're at now, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, are you happy? I would have to say yes, absolutely. And I say that because if I don't say yes, then I'm not giving myself credit for all the work that I've done. And I'm not mm -hmm. seeing exactly everything that I'm working for, which is to try to see, to see the things that we can't actually see with our, with our eyes. Um, that being said, I think it's like the most loaded question these days and times that we're living in, just 100%. like someone asking you, how are you? You know, it's like, let's be real. Nobody's doing good. Like no yeah. one is, you know, we're not living in that state anymore where we're good. And then we're having moments of being so stressed. We're living in high stress and we're searching for those moments to be happy. So yeah. today I chose to be happy because I knew what today entailed. However, that being said, the weekend that just passed, I chose to allow myself not to be happy and to mm. be down and to be, you know, in hibernation, you know, and curled up and not mm -hmm. be practicing that. So, you know, it is what You're it basically is. Saying, right. And like you gave yourself the space to feel the emotions that weren't necessarily like these high emotions. And it's just you allowed for it to come in and you like that through it this weekend. Right. And I think that's really important in terms of like not trying to push away negative feelings all the time where you're not wanting to feel those things where it's like, yeah, I think, you know, what it is, is like, I'm, a, I'm identifying more as to what my limits are. And as for someone like me, I'm always giving and I'm always open. So, you know, I'm practicing and it's actually a part of my personal mandate to practice and to advocate being happy to understanding and investigating what that even really means. So because I hold space and hold energy for a lot of humans, I know that after a couple of days, sometimes weeks, maybe months that I need to really shut down and I need to allow myself to just disconnect from feeling and just completely just be. And usually that feeling or that description to that feeling is not close to happy at all it's mm -hmm. actually the opposite and that's a I think that's fine too you know because so yeah so why do you choose to actually because it's a choice right you're choosing to actually step away from being happy and feeling good right and why choose that as opposed to just continuing on feeling good feeling happy and well I think because the emotion I think because that space allows me to process what things have happened that have brought me to that point and then I can 
start to honor those things and honor that feeling that it gives me, which is usually not happiness, and then start to work my way away from it because I understand it. And then I get back to being happy. So it's more of like a reflection process. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it just happens to be so heavy. So I don't associate it with being happy, but I don't associate it with being depressed or anything. It's just a whole nother state that's far away from being happy because it's heavy. You know what I mean? It's super heavy. Yeah. And, you know, I can carry a lot. Like I have a lot of space to carry my shit, other people's stuff. And, you know, if I'm not careful, you know, just because I can carry this much, it doesn't mean I have to or I should. So I have to make sure that I stop myself from before I even get to my capacity. And a lot of times I don't. So I get at that capacity and then I deflate and I get completely at zero and then I have to work myself up. So, you know, I'm learning my limits so I don't even have to fill my balloon just because it can fill that much. Like I don't need to, I shouldn't, you know, it's like I have to pull back. Like we have to pull back. That's so interesting. Space, Because then if you just fill yourself up to the balloon, then you don't even have space for insight for yourself anymore. And that's when you explode. So it's like, we are so pressured by all these things that we're putting, you know, in in there. And before you know it, boom. And then how long does it take us to recover, to pick up the pieces, to put it back together? It's like, if we can catch ourselves and be more in tune and aware with what's happening, you know, emotionally and in our feelings and how our body reacts to that, then we can stop ourselves from getting to that place where we completely explode and then we can right. grant ourselves time to be halfway there and be okay with that instead of fully there and feel like I'm going to die you know wait Tiffany that's so interesting because as you're speaking I'm starting to think of it as myself because I am an empath and I honestly I feel for everyone there's so much of other people's things that sometimes I kind of suppress my own shit and I actually, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, are you having an, an epiphany? <laughs> kind of, I don't know. Like, I don't know all of this stuff. Like I do, like there was a time in my life where I actually had memory problems, which was actually right. to my benefit because then like people would tell me all this information and it would just kind of go over my head. Cause I would forget about it within the hour or within the day. So I didn't feel like it held the information but held would it, to me. But would it go over your head or would it seep deep into you and be hiding somewhere and later on get triggered by something else. And then you have to deal with that trauma that's not even yours no 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 for sure memory problems like I literally had horrible horrible memory like terrible so I started to practice my memory and I would not save people's phone numbers and work on that and just and I would I know everyone's phone number off by heart which is so unusual because people just save phone numbers and they don't even know anyone's number so I actually practice little things to regain my memory and now I am like a sponge everything people tell me it just sits with me and then when I'm with those people I'm like like, holy shit like remember when you told me that remember this and I'm literally in my brain just like reminding myself about the things they told me and it just sits with me and it's like yeah exhausting. and that that's it's exhausting no it totally is exhausting and I honestly there's no time in my day where I'm just sitting and reflecting and making sure that I am in tune with myself I am honestly the least spiritual person it's I have no spirituality in me whatsoever at all mm, I don't believe in God I don't believe I don't know how to meditate when I, I'm taking a relaxation course right now and he literally guides me on the different mantras I guess and these different ways to relax the mind and kind of do that and I am literally sitting there like when is this over like I'm constantly just like when is this over when is this over and then another experience I went to this place in Mexico where it's supposed to be super serene you're walking through these ecosystems there's no light you're in called senses so you're literally in black you're walking through these ecosystems you're you're naked not naked but you're wearing a bathing suit you're barefoot and you're walking through and there's like the arc 
Arctic, there's rainforest and you feel it, you smell it, everything, the air is completely insane. And the whole time I was like, when the fuck am I getting out? When am mm-hmm. I getting out? My boyfriend, my partner, he did it and he was like, I felt so at peace. It was so <laughs> soothing. It was amazing. And I was like, when? I hope I don't lose him because it's that you're going at two different paths, mm-hmm. right? So you don't get to intersect. And I was like, when is this over? I was honestly, there's no, yeah. So I have no spirituality. And I just I mean, like, I have to say, I think sometimes the fact that you are so against or like you're you're resisting so much to like sit peacefully and like meditate, you probably really need to do it. Practice that. Yeah. Totally. I just can't even yoga. I had to stop doing yoga because it was too slow. There's too much introspection. And I was like, For sure. I don't want to see this shit. I don't want to Right, do but you need to. That's the I work. probably do. But do I? I don't know. I have a spiritual I person say... talking. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I don't think you have to believe in God or a God to be spiritual. Like I think that's something, you know, I don't identify to a God, but I'm a very spiritual person. You know what I mean? And I have a deep connection to a spiritual practice and spiritual my spiritual self you know and I think at the end of the day if you're hesitant to approach that kind of thing or practice I think you kind of just got to turn it on around onto yourself like uh, you know doing all these things in different destinations or in different practices with different cultures I think if you're just not open like you said to want to see such things for yourself that you haven't seen before then you're not going to find it anywhere else until you like really face yourself about it you know it's like mm-hmm, what's holding sure. you, what's holding you back from changing the word spirit to self you know Mm -hmm. what I mean you know because what about what if it is the spirit of yourself you know maybe I can segue into something that I've been talking about a lot lately which is if you want to talk about happiness you know can you track yourself back to a time when you were a kid when you were so happy if you can like think of maybe like a photo album that your parents have where you you know you can see yourself as like six years old or seven years old and your smile is so bright and your eyes are so open and it's just like nothing but sheer joy knowing that that expression comes from a place that doesn't have stress that doesn't have heartbreak yet that doesn't have other voices in your head telling you who you should be and what you should do you know because you know once we're born into this world like we're already set we're already taken off our path you know we're put into society you know our environment and the people in it shape who we are and maybe some people will be lucky enough somewhere along the way in their life to get to face themselves again and question themselves how did I lose myself from that feeling and how did I get here and why aren't I happy Mm -hmm. you know so I think the spiritual journey is really just the journey of self. And I think in order for us to have some sort of real happiness that is sustainable, I think we really need to step away from the lens and start connecting the dots back to where we were truly happy and see if we can find our way back. And if you ask me again in this moment, am I happy? I'll say yes, because it reminds me of just three weeks ago when my mom handed me a folder of my progress and report cards from junior kindergarten to grade seven. And I read all of these things that all of my teachers and the principal said about five-year-old Tiff, six-year-old Tiff, seven-year-old Tiff. And everything I read just three weeks ago is who I am today. I felt like I was reading a bio that somebody wrote of me or, or a review that someone wrote about me. And I was like, holy shit, this is who I am today. But it took me almost 39 years to get back here. Wow. And if I didn't start this journey five years ago, you know, and the journey being the study of myself, I still wouldn't be here, you know? And wow. I think we have to go and do some connecting of the dots and figure it out and along that journey we need to learn the most humanistic things like compassion for ourselves 
forgiveness. You know, we need to release ourselves from the guilt of things. And, you know, we also have to set real boundaries. Look, when I got rid of my phone for those years, when I stepped away, I simplified my life in so many ways. You know, I used to own luxurious things and I sold them all. You know, I became a very simple person. I got rid of 75% of my personal belongings. And I chose in that moment to not be a consumer to this life. I've upheld this very simple life for the last five years of only really having the necessities that I really need and acquiring more practices that were so important in the indigenous days, in the native days, you know, when, when things were grounded and, and rooted in the spirit of this earth, the spirit of this of this universe, in the trees and the water and the in the rocks, you know, and we're so far removed from that now so this is why we don't know what happiness is is because we're disconnected to the core of things ourselves mm -hmm. being number one and primary you know mm -hmm. some people in this life don't even touch the earth they go from their condo to their garage to their car to their elevator to their office back down to the elevator back into their car back into their parking garage mm -hmm. back up their elevator into their condo and they never touch the earth they're not connected we are so disconnected to the divine mm -hmm. it's so you true know? and that's so funny that you say that because this summer I really like went through some personal struggles and I was just trying to find a way to kind of start healing myself and the thing that I found that helped me the most was actually walk daily walk in the forest and it's so interesting that you're saying that because nature's so healing and I really got the chance to see that firsthand this summer because I was like yeah. wow this you know yeah. she's incredible like if you really take time to connect yourself back to the elements of this world she can give you so much like when you go to the water the water is so open you can give your worries to the water and you can watch it go away you know you can go touch a tree and the tree will ground your your thoughts for you you know you can speak to these spirits in, in the in the wild you know and you can start to connect with your wild self again and wild being you know your true self where you're not conditioned or you know you weren't totally. put into a system or told what to do or how to be or how to act and feel you know sure. and you can be free so I just want to say something uh, and this is something that I say when when I talk about you know the framework that I create it is, you know, I'm not here to teach anybody anything, you know, I'm not here to tell you something that I made up. This is information that has existed beyond my time and beyond all of our time put together. And it is just so happy. It just so happened that I was able to acquire it. And now I'm a messenger. I'm just here to share this information through my own experience. And that's really what it is. You know, it's just really about what I've been through. I've been paying attention. I would say that teaching at an institute is not something I ever thought that I was going to do. You know, I actually almost didn't make it if it wasn't for one of the professors to really sit and mentor me through the process of what it meant for somebody like me who doesn't have any post-secondary education or doesn't have the discipline of knowing how to write a paper. I had to write course descriptions. I had to break down modules. I had to like, I had to do everything. I had to write a resume. I've never written a resume before in my life. I never had to apply for a job before. I've never been in an interview. My first job was a mother. You know, I had my own business at 21. I had a kid at 18. It was so new to me to be in the system. I'm like the most unsystematized person that I I know myself. So, you know, I didn't plan on being in an institute and teaching for four years, you know, but it gave me such amazing experience and tools for me now to take this, what I have and create it into a creative expression so that I can share it with a wider audience. So I'm actually taking my framework and I've been working on it for the last few years into creating a film around creativity, but, you know, using humans to tell that story. So it is in a documentary way because it's not going to be a production in terms of there's no acting. However, 
However, it will be a film like in terms of style, aesthetic, feel. And, you know, because I'm a creative too, I just see it in such a way that that is more than just some toolkit or some documentary. And it's a creative expression and it's mine. And, you know, I have an amazing collaborator working on it with me. And, you know, hopefully that can be, you know, my, a part of my responsibility in sharing knowledge. And I don't have to be in a classroom. I don't have to be in a lecture hall. I don't have to be somewhere. You can learn and be inspired by me through seeing my life in what I decide to share, you know, and then from there we can have a conversation. And if anything, my film is about the conversation. It's all about the conversation. If we're not talking about it, we're not, it's not happening, you know, and I think talking about creativity is so important. And I feel like creativity and happiness are almost the same thing, you know, because creativity is just, that means that you're in flow. That means that you're in a place where you're ex in exploration. You know, I feel like more people need to start identifying as being a creative because we once upon a time were, we were born creative. We were born free. We were born happy. And if we can get back to that place and, and find the discipline to practice creativity every day and then utilize it as a tool in this time of unrest and in a pandemic, then we can make more creative decisions in our personal and professional life that could serve us better. Because wow. we have a we're having an opportunity right now to recreate structure and recreate culture and recreate all these things. And you know, I think the the core of that is creativity and happiness. Wow. And that will create harmony for all of us to be together and be able to work in a better way, honor the individual. Because right now the best thing we have going for ourselves is ourselves. There's only one Tiffany. There's only one Sonia. You know, there's only one Susan. We gotta go backwards and figure out who we really were and where we lost ourselves and how we can get back there because we are gifted and we are magic and we need to put that forward first so we wow. can be more purposeful. Yeah. Wow, Tiffany. I feel like I'm on a Dalai Lama a mushroom trip. <laughs> no, I feel like I am microdosing really in life. <laughs> Holy. Wait, have you ever done ayahuasca? I've never. I've never done ayahuasca. I like, I actually haven't done a lot of stuff because like I had a baby when I was young so I skipped all yeah. that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I love, like right now my best friends are like Mary Jane and Rick Simpson. <laughs> You guys know who the oil, is? of course, yeah, yeah. oil. Yes, and you know, mushrooms are so friendly. I love them. They're amazing. They are. They're, They're your friend, friends. Uh, Golden Teachers, Blue Meanie. I don't know those. I just know the lots of pink caviar and oh. gelato. These are names of strains and. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cheese. I know there's like tuna yes. and cheese. <laughs> yeah. Not so classy. Gassy. Not so classy. Yeah. You said a few things like personal mandate and then use the word pillars. And I'm just so curious yes. as to like yes. if you can verbalize what that is. Elaborate. elaborate. Okay. So the program that I've been teaching, the framework, is called the Holy Trinity. Holy being W H O L L Y. And it is a trinity. And the trinity is mind, body, and goals. So those would be the three pillars. When it comes to the mind, the way that I talk about it is the intelligence, understanding the mind. What is this? It's a muscle, our brain. Then we go to the body and understanding the body as your vehicle in this life that takes you to where you need to go. And then understanding the connection between mind and body. So that's the pillar. Those are foundational. And then the third one is goals. And, you know, before I really dive deep into goals, I always talk about the discipline, you know, and what it means to have the discipline, because without understanding what discipline is, we won't be able to achieve our goals. So, you know, I believe that 
that we're living in a little bit of a lazy culture. You know, we have too much access and we take advantage of things. So like we're kind of really in the ways that we used to, we used to have to. Yeah. So I would say those are the pillars, you know, like those, that's the main foundation. I think that when you're always, if you ever get to, or when you're in a place in your life where you're questioning yourself or what you're doing, go back to the foundation, go back to yourself, check in with your mind, check in with your body and check in with like the discipline of your goals, you know, and like, are you upkeeping, you know, are they too unrealistic? You know, do they have to make less so that you can actually achieve some and feel good about it and then acquire more? You know, we're always trying to do more. You know, everything that I do, I try to dial back so much. Every single, you know, I still don't even attend to email. I don't have email. Call me. I, I try to weed out all the things so that I can keep things simplified. Even in my framework, the language I use is so simple. I never use words like meditation. I don't use words like yoga. I use words like, how can we understand the mind? How can we strengthen our mind? How can we train our mind to shut off when we need it to or to be stronger when we need it to? You know, same with the body. I never say things like yoga. I don't use those terms. I use very simple terms and really think about the beginner mind. If somebody has never heard the concept or this verbiage or anything that has to do with this topic related, that's how I'm thinking. That way I can appeal to more or that way more can hear and more Mm. more can take from what I have to give, you know? And I think that's also what really got me into George Brown is because the students heard me. I was just speaking so simple. And I think that that's key is like, we're always trying to do too much. It's like, we have to refine and we have to filter and, you know, getting back to the core of things. So, and I think, you know, the core of us is our personal foundation, the health in our mind, the health in our body. And that's what it is. If we're not good here and here, like we're not doing and getting anywhere. So it's not about what we have, you know, that's who we are. I have a question, Tiffany. Since we're on the topic of pillars, what would you say is your pillar of happiness? Okay, for sure would be the love of a few. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would be real life goals and community who share the same beliefs and respects as you do. Love it. Yeah. Wow. I love it. So introspective. Really cool. I honestly am obsessed. Okay. Do you think that happiness is found or is it created both however if you're not open to it and and actively creating it on your own you're not going to find it so i would say creative i guess you know Mm -hmm. because like if you're just not living that or on that program of actively exercising being happy then how can you even be attuned to it when it appears to you yes that is true do you follow astrology so not on an active basis i do follow the moon cycle a lot and i do honor the new moon and and the full moon and uh, i'm in tune with that astrology i'm not active on it although i I do know a lot about my own personal sign and my rise what are you i'm a pisces scorpio rising oh interesting i didn't see you as a pisces I kind of pegged you as a Leo. Really? Because you're very like, you're fierce. Like I am, but I feel like because like one of my best friends is a Leo and she's totally like the light and the like. Yeah, I feel like that's you. You are the light. I mean, that's me right now. But if we're all in the same room, I'm the one in the corner (laughs) at the back, like just watching. Really? Interesting. Wow. Interesting. Wow. I'm not one to put my hand up and speak. My mom's a Pisces. I I just know that they're kind of like dreamers. Yes, very much. Like uh, I read something once that said a Pisces last words were I believe that's so nice I was like okay fine can money buy happiness sometimes I I feel like that's one of those questions that are like so old school that the right answer is no. You know what I mean? Look, we're living in a a world where money is a real thing. Can it buy happiness? It can buy temporary happiness. I guess money is pleasure. You know what I'm saying? But where are you putting your money into something that is temporary or lifelong investment? You know, so yeah, it can. But, you know, you got to look at it differently. You could see money as energy, take away its monetary value and see it for so much more. And then, yeah, it does matter. And you can buy it if your energy is good, if you got good energy. 
that's interesting. Tiffany, snap. Well, it's interesting because it's kind of like that inflow where if you're in the right place, you're open to receiving that inflow of whether it's good energy, whether it's money, whether it's social, like people in your life, that receiving energy, I feel like is real. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I've only started to develop a really healthy and active relationship with just the idea of money because growing up, money is not something that we had and it was something that was stressful. So I didn't want to take it on and I never wanted it to become what it was for me as a kid. So I kind of just always was okay with how my means were and not wanting more beyond that. Um, But now I'm like, nah, I need to get some money. So like I've changed my perspective. I've changed my outlook. I've changed the way I look at money, the way I deal with money, the way I make money and when I have money or when I don't have money. So I don't need, I don't need a lot, but I do need things. And in this life, money is required for that exchange of things. So it's power, you know, unfortunately it is. And security. Yeah. And security, you know, but it's not, it's not wealth though. And it's not success and it's not happiness. So, you know, what kind of life do you want to live? Like if you want to go back and talk about how much I was living off of monthly when I got rid of that lifestyle I had, like that was so simple. Like I was literally living off of maybe, okay, like I'm going to eliminate rent out of the equation, but I'm probably living off of like less than $200 a month. And were you person. Yeah, absolutely. The most, the most quiet, you know, I, I ran into a friend one time, a couple of months deep into like that journey. And, you know, it was a friend that kind of knew what I was going through. And I ran into her and she was with another person. And as soon as I turned the corner, she like freaked out. And she was like, I was just talking about you. She's like, and I was just telling my friend how amazing you look because you don't have a phone. <laughs> and I was just like, what? She's like, and that you don't talk to people and that your boundaries are so high that no one can get in and that you look amazing because of shut everything out, you know? And I was just like, oh, all right. I want to ask about social media. Do you- you okay. use it right I do yes yes you're on it how does that so, affect your happiness or just how does that affect your journey like what you where you've gotten where you're at right now how does well, that affect it I utilize it now in such a different way from when I used it before because in 2011 when Instagram first came out I had just uh, with my friend opened up my business and it was a commercial space and it was very accessible and you know marketing was now free right so I yeah. utilized yeah. the tool of social media for what it was meaning I was using it as Insta in the moment of things, you know, and and really utilizing it that that way and promoting stuff. And I was promoting artists and I was promoting work and it was all about promotional. Now my social media or my social platform is super personal. It's very vague. If you scroll through it and, you know, you'll see like a common maybe feel and aesthetic and style that I have. But if you read it, you know, it's kind of ambiguous. You don't really know what I'm about so much, except maybe that I'm positive and sweet and lovely and kind, you know, and and that's what I use it to project. I only show that one side of me and it's like a poetic side of me, somebody who's living in the moment and living in this world and being a listener and an observer and just, you know, having a little digital diary online and dropping little gems here and there and saying things subliminally and kind of go against certain things. Like, for example, I know people use hashtags to, you know, um, get a wider audience so that people will find whatever their post is, whereas I use hashtags to insert subliminal messages and my hashtags hashtags are like 58 characters long and people are like what the hell is wrong with you what are these long ass hashtags and 
I'm like, listen, they're not for everyone. If you, if you're curious as to like what they are, then you'll take time to decode them. And if you're not, then it's not for you and it's all good. Keep it moving. You can just admire the picture then. Sometimes I'll post a picture of myself and the comments I get, I already know if somebody read my caption or not. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, oh, you're just commenting about like my hair or like my ring or something. But it's, if you actually read what I said, you know, you would maybe think more about what you would say back. You know, so I have a love-hate relationship with it. You know, it is very triggering to me at times, but I've managed to curate my own algorithm. Whereas like, I don't so much go on the suggested feed. I just have like my favorites of stories at the top that come up. Mm -hmm. And now your feed is injected with so much like suggested pages to follow and stuff that I don't do that anymore. So I go on social media a lot to drop stories and to drop posts, but I don't browse the feed a lot. I have, you know, a group of of close friends, I guess you could say is like, you know, how you they're categorized up there and like people's stories that I know are aligned with the information that I'm looking for these days whether it be just casual and cute or like serious and political you know so I I manage my I manage my online stuff really really carefully because it's so easy to get lost in the sauce and then you start like performing and utilizing it as a different thing you know whereas for me it's mostly in the moment or conceptual it's interesting so you're saying that you're less a consumer of it and more like you're a creator or you're a teacher on it you want to produce more than consume (laughs) to be honest i i actually always say that i just want to interrupt people's feeds and interrupt people's stories you know when they're going through their whole feed i'm hoping that mine will stop you and will be a different narrative from whatever you're listening to or whatever you're viewing and just switch it up for a second and maybe like take Mm -hmm. you out of that pattern that maybe you're kind of like lost in or you know caught up in because that stuff is so facade that it destroys me. a lot of creative minds for sure are you on tiktok have you been on no, TikTok? no so t- tiktok don't is go on like, it's like all i know crazy it is, video but... right but it's yeah. all these crazy videos and you're scrolling on your feed and then sometimes people they had this phase where like someone would just post just like their bed and like calming music and being like this is a rest stop for you to just calm your mind and it's like soothing music and you're like wow i needed that because like your feet is so inundated with some crazy thing have you seen that sonia where it's like okay just take your your brain needs like a break did they ever say did you ever get the one where it's like okay like go to sleep you've been on tiktok for too long (laughs) no but that's amazing oh my god they're like okay go to bed and you're like tell me what to do don't tell me i'll go to bed when i want to go bed (laughs) go get a snack they're like go go eat something you've been on tiktok (laughs) take a sip of water you know most of my most of my time spent on my own personal platform social platform is during times when most people are sleeping i have like a little bit of a nocturnal clock when we go into the winter so i'm up at like three in the morning wow you know and i'm like down like with the sun at like i mean like now the sun goes down at 4 30 but like around six seven i'm already unwinding and like settling into the evening so you wake up at 3 a.m three four yeah and then you start your day and before it used to like mess with me so much because i used to be like why can't i be on the schedule but what i realized is that my most effective times for my mind to be awake and to be in service is when Mm -hmm. everybody else is sleeping and the frequency is low and my mind can actually have space to have fun so in the daytime I just enjoy the day I go for walks Mm -hmm. I read I do whatever but do you have to take naps so I'm not I don't take naps however the state that I'm in for most of the day is already so meditative that I'm like kind of resting throughout (laughs) the whole day (laughs) do you drink coffee so I do because I love it like since I was 
was a kid and I have like an I have like a sentimental you know thing about it but yeah but I go I go in and out of like refraining myself from having caffeine because sometimes my heart is just too tough that's what that's what I do now I only drink decaf because I was getting so anxious on like caffeinated coffee so it changed the game because it's cozy and you get a little bit of caffeine but it's not crazy yeah I feel like it's a placebo it's not it gives you a little bit of a yeah so it's like a but here's the thing is like decaf coffee the way the way that decaf coffee is processed is so bad you may as well just drink the coffee the caffeine what it's like washed a million times like it's just the way that it's processed it's just not good for you so you know it's not good for your body i don't think so i mean don't quote me on it i have a really good friend who's like the coffee king and he Mm -hmm. told me like tiff if you're worried about it he's like you should just probably drink caffeine over decaf because decaf is processed way too much and it's like okay interesting good to know they have to get the caffeine out of the bean yeah i'm sure it's not like the most yeah. like, like how do you natural. get you, like, exactly you have to strip it, it away so it's like yeah. gone through so much yeah Ooh, maybe i don't know guys damn I love like, coffee. coming in with all the, all the hot tips i told you guys like i haven't talked to anyone in a long time so. <laughs> the ramble is no we loved it <laughs> this is amazing honestly i do a lot of reading and lately i've been reading a lot about the indigenous legends of canada and the land that we're on and you know the indigenous practices and how they lived their lives before we came and kind of corrupted everything but there's this thing that they talk about that I read recently called the happy hunting grounds. Basically what would happen is that every so often once in a while a white man would come into the land and a chief would invite this man to visit the happy hunting grounds and what it was is that it was a place of gathering of people like over the fire and singing songs and dancing and then the chief would say to to the white man like go back and tell your people that like what they should be concerned about is finding the happy hunting grounds and you are now a messenger as to how to tell your people how to get here so there's this whole like journey and this whole idea of creating a happy hunting grounds for yourself and I think like if we can relate that to today maybe it's just like community you know Mm -hmm. a sense of belonging a place of freedom and space and joy because like this is where they dance this is where they sing this is where they gather and have rituals and you know maybe eat sacred fruits or you know other gifts from the earth and I think that if we can find our way back to that happy grounds and then acquire that into our life back into society, maybe we might have a better chance of being happy if we have the foundation of community. Yeah. And belonging, you know, and, and sharing and practicing honoring each other. Yeah. Wow. And that's the crazy. space and place we live in. Completely. Honestly, I am all for a great community. And I don't know why, but a community really, it feels like religion to me, honestly. I don't know why, but whenever I associate having a good community or a healthy community and surrounding myself around like-minded people, it brings me back to religion. I have no idea why. I really don't. I, I think maybe why. what could be helpful is just like maybe figuring out where, who imprinted your mind about religion that made you have such a, you know, because like, I went to a religious like, school. I went to a religious see, I was gonna school say, my whole like, life. Yeah. So like, you know, oh, I, I think know. because religion was also put onto me at a young age and, you know, I, w- I had like, like a reaction, a, a negative reaction towards it every time somebody would tell me something like oh you should pray or like come join us in session of like whatever but when I started to change and figure out my own definition of faith Mm -hmm. and figure out what it meant to have like higher goods or higher gods you know and see things as a bigger perspective you know now when like my an aunt or like somebody says something to have you spoken to God lately I'll say yeah she's amazing and she's my she's my homegirl and she's got 
my back and we're in touch all the time. And I never have to worry because I trust her wholly. And like the universe is on my side. I just swing it. You know what I mean? And I don't fall yeah. into any more the names of things. Yeah. God is God. God backwards is Apparently. dog. Like God is a dog. Like why do you, why are, why are dogs so magical? Like, you know what I mean? The fucking ladybug that lands on your finger. That's a God. Absolutely. You know, it's so, totally. yeah, for sure. It's going to change like, it. Mm-hmm. It's just perception at the end of the day. You know, we've been conditioned to see things a certain way. We can still take the same idea and look at it differently and it's going to be okay. And no one can tell us differently. That's true. You know? Yeah. And then yeah. it's up to us to change the course of our interpretation and to share that because maybe somebody will then who doesn't identify with something they were they were taught or conditioned to can then all of a sudden hear your side and be like, oh my gosh, I identify with that so much. And then you inspire somebody else to see yeah. things differently. Right. So we got to break free of all those conditions. Everything that disrupts us is an indication that we should investigate. Why? Why do we have a detest to this? Why do we have such a negative reaction to these things? What made us this way? And how can we free ourselves from this? Yeah. You know, and then that's how we can move closer to being happy by letting go of these like cords that we're tied to and totally. shackles that like bind us, you know? Tiffany, come in hot. <laughs> the wisdom. I love I'm like in this. flow hard. I'm it's loving amazing. it. Keep coming. Keep it coming. <laughs> do you find that as a child of immigrant parents, do you find that your parents don't understand sadness or depression or anxiety because, because they Sonia can't... tell her you're oh because you're conditioned that that's what life's all about <laughs> no not at all because I find that my parent I'm also I'm a first generation Canadian and my parents are immigrants and they are from Russia obviously the hardships in Russia no one can understand it's they fled the country my mom came to this country she was 18 years old she didn't know English and when I tell her that I'm feeling sad or depressed, she questions it and kind of compares her life to mine saying, I didn't really have a right to not be sad because I didn't live the way she did. And I didn't experience immense hardships like she did. My life is so easy. And I have all of these luxuries. I have, you know, my parents are healthy. I'm healthy. I have a home. I have a great education. I don't have anything doom looming over me. You know, I shouldn't basically that I don't have a right to be sad. Do you find that your parents also as immigrants like lack awareness so my parents are a different situation because my mom immigrated here when she was seven and my dad was 15 so they kind of grew up here so they have a lot of background of like this western culture that being said though i have so many humans in my life with the same upbringing and backgrounds and cultural inheritances and all these things so i do understand where you're coming from i think the thing maybe that your mom and, and a lot of other parents don't realize is that it's that suffering and that sadness is inherent. We inherit that from them, from the womb, you know what I mean? And that lives with us. Like as a child, we are connected to our mother. Like, I don't know if your mother breastfed you, but if she did, then she didn't. So like, you know, living in her womb for nine months, you're connected to her nervous system. You're connected to everything. So, I mean, for her to not culturally understand that your suffering is just, you know, as suffering as her suffering, but like on two different worlds, I think too, is just a cultural thing maybe, or uh, maybe not developed enough you know like there's a lot of developmental things that our parents didn't get to develop past a certain point because they had to fight for their life and flee their country and take care of a family and figure out how to make money and have a roof over their head you know so they're not developed to understand these emotions so like for your mom to not be able to relate with your suffering and your sadness and understand it it's because her capacity stopped somewhere and she wasn't able to further that you know so she doesn't get it yeah to invest time and energy and all that into trying to get our parents to understand 
understand these things at this point is questionable. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's a lot, you know, is it worth it? Or is it worth it maybe not to and just find things to enjoy and live life in doing certain things that you know, you're compatible with them with and just making boundaries and being like, oh, that's a conversation that really goes this way. So let's just not have that anymore. Why do we even yeah. need to talk about it? You know, like, it's challenging, you know, my parents have openly asked for mine and my siblings opinions and points of views and they sit with us at the table and they want to hear us they know like they told us already like hey we're getting old and we know this and we want to let you know that when we get to a point where we can't make decisions for ourselves we're going to look to you and trust you and we want to let you know that it's not we don't want to put stress on you and we're not going to be challenging and difficult we're going to trust you wow that's amazing like who says that yeah i mean that being said too not every immigrant's parents has a daughter like me who pushes the boundaries and holds down space and demands for hard conversations to happen you know mm-hmm. so i'm doing the work of, of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of centuries and generations of breaking that cycle of sadness and sorrow and suffering and oppression and suppression and tor- like everything you know what I mean? all the s's <laughs> everything you know, you know what's you know? so interesting that you're talking about like breaking the cycle and you're talking about how you inherit trauma from your family i was just listening to this podcast i don't know if you have heard of this um it's called epigenetics have you heard of it mm-hmm, no. so basically what happens is that we do actually there are studies that show that we inherit our family's trauma past traumas and it's passed down through our dna and it's in our genetic coding. So for an example, your grandmother, when your mom was in your grandmother's womb, you were already in her body. So you are actually like you were already in one of her eggs. So your everything that happened to your grandma, everything that happened to your mom, it's actually able to be passed down into you and becomes this trauma that you have inherited. You just said you have to break that cycle in order yeah. to and like I have a sister, I have a sister who's 10 years younger than me. And like when I was 23 years old, I had a six year old and a 15 year old living with me like I took guardianship over my sister at that age and I just knew hey I don't ever want my sister and my kid to ever have to experience all the things that I have and feel and carry and be burdened and all these things that I have you know taken from my mom who's taken from her mom if what is true that you say then that means I've gone through the war when Japan invaded the Philippines when the Spanish came and colonized us when all these things it's crazy it's It's fucking fucking okay this was honestly great we are actually moving into our lightning round lightning this round. is our this is like the end we okay. basically ask you yes or no questions they're not really yes or no not but yes or like, no but it's like <laughs> a one that. word yeah this or that it's called a lightning round but rest assured it's like, don't barely think. a lightning round it's barely <laughs> a lightning <laughs> round it's so you slow can, you can elaborate <laughs> if you choose if not you can just give us the one word answer but it's okay. it's titled the what makes you happier lightning round so everything we're okay. asking is like what would make you happier this okay. or that. so this or that yeah. here we go Sonia okay. take okay. it I will away take it away what makes you happier a person who cooks for you or a person who listens person who cooks for me <laughs> totally <laughs> What what makes you happier? A successful career or a successful relationship? A successful relationship. Totally. A suburb lifestyle or a city lifestyle? Can I say the country? Yeah. (laughs) Anything. You can elaborate. Honestly, I was like so married to the city and I love Toronto. Like I was born on Lakeshore at St. Joe's. I grew up in South Etobicoke and like York Vaughan. I say Vaughan as if it's like part of the 416. I have to like retract that. It's not. Um, It's not. (laughs) Still love you. However, 
However, I have felt so disconnected to the city for the last six years. So I would say the suburbs now. Yeah, there's like a different kind of comfort and, and safety over there and quietness. And my parents live in the suburbs. So we're talking about people cooking for you like all day. The suburbs is where that. Can yeah. I ask you why you felt disconnected from the city? I'm so curious because everyone is like okay. city all the way. I love the city. <laughs> the city is vibrant and it's an, it's exciting and amazing. And you know, I don't have anything bad to say about it or anything bad to say about the people, you know, it makes me happy to see, you know, so many individuals frolicking in the streets and hustling and, you know, doing their thing. However, for me, I was in the city early and I gave a lot to the city. You know, I, I gave myself to the city in, in a lot of ways and it hasn't been serving me because like any city, it takes on a whole nother shape that I don't know how to say it without like being rude about it. But like, you know, the, you the, city, the city is drinking Kool-Aid. Yeah. You know, everyone's drinking, the, everyone's drinking the Kool-Aid. And like, I say everybody very, like, take it with a grain of salt, okay? Like, no, totally. I'm drinking that Kool-Aid. You know I'm, I'm ready to move to the city. It's yeah. where it's at. I'm not. I'm drinking it. I'm the only one. I'm literally like, I I'm with poison. you. <laughs> <That's> poison. <laughs> Got it. Got you. For sure. Unlimited time off or finding your calling or purpose? Unlimited time off. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I feel like the other one is, the other one is like, if you're living, then you're, you're somewhat in some way finding purpose interesting true. if you're breathing you know, in some way that is true junk food or exercise exercise yeah. oh my god yeah. oh, wow unless it's it. a bag of chips then we can, it's debatable <laughs> my kryptonite kryptonite <laughs> potatoes period potatoes, but also yeah. flour potatoes like, oh yeah mashed i've bread. grown to love bread since covid wait what's your oh, favorite you chip flavor Ooh, lately i've been eating a lot of ketchup and dill pickle and salt and vinegar very canadian yeah. Yes, I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I like the. Have you um, had the Doritos one? Doritos ketchup? Yes, I have. On yes. So good. <laughs> so good. Okay. What makes you happier, junk food or wine? Like, how do you wind down? I'm not a drinker, so, and I don't actually even eat sugar or junk food, so. Can you none, none of it? Chips. Chips. Like, I'm a salty Chips. girl. Or like, you know, like Mary Jane. Like, a, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess we should have asked for the. I the smoke a lot of weed, too. so. Yeah. You know, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. So we're, Sonia and I are all on the junk food train. Anytime someone's I like, am. I wind down with wine, we're like, what? No, I have to have a bag of chips and that's how yeah. I wind down my day. <laughs> Relax. Yes. So what makes you happier, sunrise or sunset? I look for sunrise more, but sunset is so satisfying. So beautiful. But I chase, I chase the sunset. Like when I wake up, I go out and I look for it. Because you wake up whereas at three. Sport, you have yeah, all this whereas time. Whereas the sunset, like if I'm out and I see it and I witness it, it's great. But like I find myself looking for the sunrise more. It's more of the awakening for me, you know, like I try to yeah, awaken with the sun. So it's like a little yeah. bit more purposeful. For sure. Love that. Comedy or rom-com? Comedy. Although it depends who I'm with. But comedy. A good laugh. Rom-com is laughing. comedy though. I mean. They're... But it's sappy. It's got like this cheesiness to it. No, I definitely oh. would make that secondary. Yeah. Yeah. Fame or accomplishment? Accomplishment. Fame is not what something make... that I've ever asked for. Okay. I love fame. Thought about. Yeah. You love fame? <laughs> I would love it. I would love if fame Sonia's... comes naturally if... for me for something sure like vid- playing video games or being able to eat like a bowl of noodles really fast or like that kind of fame I want Ooh, but like fangs. I don't want like I don't want like Hollywood fame I want like low-key nerd fame if this yeah. podcast blows up I would be the happiest <laughs> Okay, well, I'll, I'll add it into my mission of, like, putting things literally put it on the mood board put it on the mood yeah. board 
exactly. Adventure vacation or relaxing vacation? Relaxing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I guess we also asked you this before, but waking up early or sleeping in? Sleeping in is like a goal of mine every time and like developing a beautiful relationship with sleep and nap life. So I would say sleeping in, even though it's non-existent in my life. You should take magnesium. I take magnesium and I literally get 12 hours. I do. I do everything. I get 12 hours. 12. what I do? My my favorite recently is is Rick Simpson. Yeah, you love that oil. I just can't do the weed. I wish I could, but like the paranoia, also the eating. You I know what? Eating. 100% you're smoking the wrong thing. Yeah, oh, for Every sure. single person I talk to that <laughs> says this, I always Same. do a full investigation as why they feel this way. What are they doing? How are they intaking? And then I like facilitate a little ceremony. Okay, this to, is for the next them. zoo. I need yeah, that. for then, sure. Yeah. Me too. Because I'm the next paranoid. zoo. Yes, yeah. please. It's not good. I'm like, I'm, not I'm happy. here for it. THC, the THC is like hit. No happiness. Like everyone thinks, none. I mean, I don't know. I might be by like, I mean, who, like, what is my opinion? Like, I'm not no connoisseur of cannabis, but I feel like everyone thinks sativa is what they should be smoking. And I think people need to stop smoking sativa and get low in the couch. In the couch. Yeah. Get in the like, couch. In the, in the couch. Yeah, exactly. In and like, you brought down, you know, you know what I find though? I find that a lot of people, there's only two roads. There's people yeah. that like go with the chill weed out. and are actually not even chill out, but like the weed actually hits them, right. them and it hits yeah. them right. And they are cool with it. And then yeah. there's the road of people where it's like, weed is my enemy. Me, All it me. does is ruin <laughs> me. And those are the only two roads. I've never met anyone that's like, I feel like you just like need yeah, a better literally weed straight. guide, you know? Even like, no matter like what weed you smoke, it's just <laughs> and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think no. that there's definitely a science to understanding your yourself For and your sure. body and, and your and your nerves and anxiety and yeah. what your life entails, sure. like the nature of your work. Sure. Like somebody will say to you, "Do you want the weed that makes you think a lot, or the one that makes you not think?" Like, do we really need to think more than we're thinking? Because I think we're thinking too much. De- like, definitely please. too much, too much. Give me the one that puts me uh, out. Yeah, <laughs> puts me asleep. Sleep I time. think enough <laughs> for like twenty people. Sleep so time. thank you, guys. So like, do you, does anybody ever talk about how sugar? affects happiness yes because sugar is the the junk food the junk food is horrible but do you know that addiction yeah and sugar actually makes you more depressed and gives you like mental issues so you think it satisfies you in the more in the moment yeah like in the long term it's so bad for you let me tell you i'm currently on a diet I'm on a diet right now and I've been on a diet for about 13 days now. I know that sounds like not a lot, but this is no, 13 days where I haven't lot. had any junk food. Like this is, like, I am a person that eats junk all the time, all the time. Oh, like yeah. all I do, like I would, I would skip dinner and just eat a bag of chips. Like that's the level I'm at. And I <laughs> love, and I literally, I can't go to a grocery store and not like if I see junk food, I have to get it. I'm obsessed. I'm, a, I'm addicted. I'm actually an addict. I'm coming out. I'm literally, I'm coming out to you all. <laughs> I kind of look up to you though. Is that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and this is, I've been 13 days without, without anything. Are you having withdrawal? So alive. I did have, I did have withdrawal. I was like very like sad and I keep getting fucking Instagram ads about like candies and chocolates and new things that are coming out. And I'm like, and that's no! why you're sending me all these croissant pictures because yes. you're like fiending it. But you know what? I'm actually, I are went you? to the grocery store yesterday. I walked by the candy aisle and it didn't even phase me. And I've never felt so strong in my life. You go, girl. In my life, did I feel this strong? Like this, it's insane to say that something like sugar can cause such an impact on my life, but it really insane. Insane. I've never felt so alive. I've never felt so great. Honestly, good. I feel happy because yeah. I've like I've accomplished something so big that I never thought I could. And it's amazing. 
It's insane. It's so it going, stupid, yeah. but it's insane. It's not no. stupid at all. It's actually one of the hardest things, you know, it's, it's actually, actually not stupid. Like it really, sugar is the biggest devil I find. It's, it's honestly like on cigarettes. Par. It's literally hard. No, it's on par with heroin. You know, they did a study where they had mice in a cage. They say it's harder to kick sugar than it is heroin. Like they actually, yeah. like that's what they said. Yeah. That's what they say. So they had mice in this cage and they gave them sugar water and cocaine mice literally the sugar water hose the sugar water over cocaine a hundred times over oh the cocaine my God. they literally would kept they kept pressing so, down the bar and they're like we just just the sugar it's bar. sweet sugar right water. so it's like a different sensory you know, as well the, the in addition to what it, it makes has, you feel it. the effect it has on your receptors in your this brain, makes me like way more love sugar on serotonin on everything it literally completely just like start tapping into the wires sugars also hardwires everything and yeah, you're just like horrible. i'm an addict now yeah <laughs> be happier freedom or comfort oh shit that's hard freedom mm-hmm. freedom because if i'm free, free then i'm comfortable yeah i can be comfortable but not free like, if you're True. free then you're comfortable so interesting free. i love that yeah. that concludes our molasses round <laughs> yes it does uh, do you have any so final words or any wisdom to bestow just like five words or five words. a sentence a sentence of wisdom sonia wants to get all the wisdom from you that she can I do. I'm like trying trying to to suck it out. I'm going to sign up for your class. I'm sucking it all out. (laughs) I mean, this is why I'm making this expression of my program so that it can be given to a wider group and audience and more people can have access to it. You know, this is like I said, it's not information I made up. So like, I'm not trying to have property over this, you know, it's like, it's just, I'm also a part of that, the messenger train. It's Mm -hmm. like, we get messengers all the time who give us messages from the higher God, higher goods, you know, some reason I keep getting them so I just have to keep saying them out loud and sharing them because I realize and it's you know always a challenge to take ownership over being a messenger but I do realize that I do have something very valuable that a lot of other humans need and just don't have the ability to find it quick enough right now Mm -hmm. it's not to say they never would on their own but like we all need someone someone told me imagine someone didn't tell me then I really wouldn't be here you know so I'm just passing it along in good in good kindness and good practice yeah I love that and we're taking it and you know if I'm going to say something to anybody just take time to sit with yourself and to just notice how you feel you know wherever Mm -hmm. you are whether it's in your room or in the car or you know wherever you are in this life in one moment just like take a moment to just sit and realize like where you are in this world like and that you're alive you know Mm -hmm. there's so much going on and we're getting so caught up with so much information so much noise again and now we're going into this like wave of like isolation again and nature and is gracing us with space again and you know we have an opportunity to approach this in a different way again you know and we keep getting it wrong as a collective so I think it's really important that we really take a moment to just pay attention to what's really happening to the world and you know ask ourselves you know where in that world do we want to be and what do we want to give to that world you know and what is our purpose because if you're not being purposeful right now in this world and you're not being thoughtful about your actions and what you're putting out there then you're just adding to the noise and you're adding to the problem and we don't need more of that that's what we're trying to weed out so just explore be creative find time to play and be joyful you know and get back to that feeling and hold on to that feeling and try to incorporate that feeling into your everyday in some way you know whether it's just a phone call from somebody who you love or taking a walk and like finding your favorite leaf on the floor or something that you know like who knows but like be creative don't get stuck because like we're going into a very very dark transition right now 
And, you know, if we don't nurture the light within us, then we're not going to have any, you know, when it's time again to come out into this world. And we need more light. We need more light right now. So I feel like everyone just needs to like try to do their part in being responsible for their well-being, taking the measures that need to be taken in order to outsource resources and support and, you know, find your people and hold on to them and lean on each other, you know, really tap into your heart. We need tenderness in this time because everything is so hard. Everything is so heavy. So we need lightness and we need tenderness and we need everybody to be more gentle with everybody. Let's try to be more lenient with humanity and humans. Like, let's give people a break. Okay. Everyone's at, no one really knows what they're doing. And yes, people are annoying and they're not acting right. But like, let's just try to be a beacon of like an example as to what we see fit and what we're trying to achieve and not be responsive and judgmental and reactive to humans who are completely struggling. And we have no background context as to like what their life entails. So holding on to compassion is so important right now for us. We're, we're having a lot of political changes and a lot of societal changes. You know, we need to go even deeper, get to the root of things with humanity and our earth. That is snaps all around, all around. That was so, so enlightening and so true. Honestly, it's so, so easy to get lost in the minutia. So yeah, and you know what, I think, and I appreciate you guys for, you know, talking with me and not even asking me for once, like what I'm working on or like what I'm even doing. Like we, this was all about like the feeling, trying to find a feeling, like uh, a way of looking at life, a way of thinking. It's just like all about being human. And like at the end of the day, you take everything away and we're left with ourselves. And like, who are we? You know? and, and I think that's the conversation that needs to be happening more, not like what exercises are you doing or what challenges are you doing online? Like, fine, have fun. But like, let's be serious too. Yeah. More times over, please. Thank you so much, Tiffany. This has honestly oh been Amazing. one of my favorite episodes to record. Thanks, thanks am, for having me. I have literally, I feel like I have grown exponentially in the past couple of hours, yeah. like just completely grown. I'm like, who is this person? <laughs> it's time to relax. Whoa. And I'm, I appreciate you guys so much. This was honestly so great. I'm so happy to have met you. I'm so happy to have gotten to know you, gotten to know just everything. Yeah. I mean, you guys know me more than the people in my life know me, to be honest. I'm I'm sure, probably. Right? Well, you're going to have to send them the episode so they can get to know you better. Get to know you, exactly. Get an inside (laughs) scoop. Thank you so much for having us. Or thank you so much. (laughs) It feels like you you interviewed us. Yes. Thank you for coming on, really. The feeling is mutual. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been real, honestly. Oh, and last thing. Where can we find you? Like anywhere that you want people to. Um, So I only have one social platform where I can be found, and my name on is in musing i-n-m-u-s-i-n-g which just means like in deep thought in meditation Mm -hmm. and that's it and it's just a personal digital diary of day-to-days and trying to live a poetic life and finding you know also what is the class called that you teach at george brown the framework is called the holy the holy trinity okay so here's the thing it's like you can't you actually can't take it anymore because i'm not there and the way that you were able to take it before is that i actually had to pitch my framework or my program to students who had a spare in the slot of the classroom that I was given and oh. I had to pitch to them like hey this is why I'm here and you can sign up for my class but it means that you have to miss your spare the first semester I had 31 students the second I had 26 then I had 24 wow. and then the last two semesters I did a focus on postgraduate classes and I worked one-on-one with students on their thesis projects so wow. 
lots of learning about humans, their process, their journeys on trying to find happiness and balance. And, you know, it's an honor to be able to, you know, hold space for other people and for humans to trust me with their life. And at the end of the day, if that, if there's anything that really gave me, it was the ability to be able to practice at being a better listener. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we don't really realize that we need more of in this life is to be heard for someone to truly come without judgment and without ego and to be able to hold space for somebody's feelings without making it about them or judging the situation or, or already conjuring up what happened or is going to happen and to solely be there for that person is a practice in its own and oh, that's something that. that I didn't know I needed to practice more of until teaching there and it's, it's crazy out of you to thanks guys you're I'm a real gene you're a real gene <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. the real G. so you can find oh, us at are you happy pod instagram and if you would like to be on the podcast we'd love to interview you so just shoot us an email at are you happy pod at gmail.com and everything will be in the footnotes that is all bye. thanks tiffany bye guys thanks guys bye, bye.